Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, you know him as Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, my friend? Hey, glad to be here, and I'm glad it's just about summer. I'm glad it's about summer, too. It's time for warmth. I was just mentioning, I'm, I, we live in Utah, obviously, right? Um, I like it to be warm about 11 and a half months out of the year. So I yeah. like a snowy white Christmas, but then like warm sun the rest of the year. That sounds perfect to me. Okay, well... Am I in the wrong place? Robert? You're in the wrong place. That's not going to do okay. it for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you need to live uh, somewhere a little further south for most of the year and then visit during Christmas. Okay. So I'm going to be the opposite of a snowbird or am I just going to be a snowbird? It's pretty much, it's yeah. You, well, you're just, you're not worried about the snowbird part. You're just like live in the hot and, and visit <laughs> the cold. <laughs> Except here's the thing. I really like it to be like 70 to 80 degrees. Okay. So, yeah. I so mean, there's probably Hawaii, San Diego, that's the place. Yeah. Something Diego. like okay. that. Yeah. All right. We'll consider that Rod today. We're going to be talking about a list that I made. It's 10 things Christian hates about fire. Now I should preface that by saying, I'm also going to mention a handful of things that I like about it. Um, but then we're going to really blast it with 10 things that I hate about it. What do you think? Right. I like it. Yeah. And your job is to give commentary. We haven't done one of these lists in a while, Rod, and you've been responsible for the outlines the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks. So um, it's my turn to come back with the power list. I like it. I like your lists. All right, let's do it. Okay. Number one. Oh, actually, Rod, we can't go into number one. We got to talk about what fire actually is. Yeah. So we probably should define it. Fire means... Financial independence, retire early. That's the the movement that exists out there. And honestly, I'm not sure when it started, but it's probably been like in the last 10 years, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, picked up steam. Uh, and it's kind of just like everywhere these days. So I thought, what the heck? Let's have a conversation about fire and, you know, kind of what our take is on the whole fire movement. Yeah. Okay. So I have a little pet peeve I need to throw out there, Rod. I'm so tired of hearing people talk about their fake retirements. Okay. okay so we need to define what <laughs> retire means. If I hear one more person that's like 32 that says, oh, I was, you know, I was just having so much success that I retired. And then a year later, I just, I, I couldn't stay away from work and I went back into business and like, I, I just can't, it's, I can't do it anymore. Rod. The best it's, phrase is coming out of retirement. Yeah, right? at like, 36, like Michael right? Jordan. coming out of retirement. Like, okay, let's be really clear about what retirement actually is. Like, it has to have some element to not just, like, leaving your job mm -hmm. and deciding to, like, take six months off or whatever. Yeah. Like, there has to be an element to having the financial independence part of it. And yeah. we're going to get into what financial independence, like, it, what it means and what it doesn't mean. But in my mind, retire early doesn't mean that I have, like, you know, two years of, of money saved up that I can spend. It means that I can actually determine whether I want to work or not at all. And some people do that. Like, let's be clear. Some people absolutely have achieved that. But man, I am just so tired of, of hearing people talk about how cool they are because they retired at 33. And then like six months later, they 
started a different business or went to a different job or whatever. Like it just mm -hmm. doesn't hold any credibility to me. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let me talk about, let's talk about what I like about fire rod. The first thing I like is that it provides an actual and definitive goal to go after. Yeah. So I think in general, the money insights team is quite goal driven, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So when we work with people, we believe that, that there's goals and, um, benchmarks that we want to achieve. And so from that standpoint, I think it's always really valuable to have um, goals in line or, or just goals out there that you're, you're really working toward. So from that standpoint, I like that it does that. Do you have anything yeah. to add or subtract yeah, goals, from that? Well, goals drive you toward a plan, right? You, yeah. you have, you, you pick a, a big, in the, in the words of good to great, a hairy audacious goal, a BHAG. <laughs> And, uh, and then you work toward it, but, but you have to figure out the interim steps to get you there and, and create plans and all this kind of stuff. But it creates the structure around that basically is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So really anything that, you know, has, has you going toward a worthy goal is something that I can get on board with. Okay. The second thing I like is that there's a focus on keeping expenses low. And I should say that I kind of like this. Let's be clear. This isn't like the way that I view the world and work. However, I believe that it's important in order to drive net worth upward, as we talked about in our last episode. Um, mm -hmm. Dave made a really pointed comment that's kind of obvious, but important. And that is just that in order to build your net worth, you have to spend less money than you make. Yep. So from that standpoint, having a focus on keeping expenses low, and, and I certainly think that you know, being overly lavish and living outside your means and all those things are, are, are horrible financial ideas. And we kind of all know that, but I yeah. like the focus on keeping expenses low, at least at some level. I like that. And one of the things that we've seen, uh, cause we, we work with people of uh, a wide range range of, uh, income level and regardless of how much you make, you can spend it. Right. That's true. That it's, is and, so and just because most of the people we talk to are are have high incomes, like I talked about this, that doesn't necessarily mean they're better at building wealth. Yeah. And one of the traps that a lot of people fall into is that they've worked so hard to get to where they are. And and so rightfully so, they get to a place where now they're making a lot of money and and they've been putting off a lot of things. Uh, in a lot of cases, buying a home, having a family, you know, a, a lot of different things because they're just so committed to what they're working hard for to, to get to that place. And again, specifically speaking of a lot of our physician uh, clients, residency, all those kinds of things that that just take a lot of time and, and effort and and don't don't bring in a lot of money. So then they get to a place where now they have it and they're like, oh, now I get to live it up. Right. And again, I'm not going to tell them they shouldn't uh, you know, open up and, and, you know, start to live a little more of, of the life that they have dreamed of living, but just don't get ahead of yourself. Right. Mm. So, so again, going back to your, uh, previous thing about having a goal, having plans, go in with a plan and, and, you know, start to live the dream life that you've, uh, that you've been dreaming of, but don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, so we're going to get into that philosophically, Rod, as we get yep. down into some of our the points that I hate. We're going to kind of dive into that philosophical um, debate here a little bit more. Okay, so I number three is that I really like the focus on increasing income. Now, this is up my alley because mm -hmm. I like, I'm driven and excited about building wealth and helping other people build wealth. 
therefore the focus on the like the, for for the fire people it's usually like a combination focus of increasing income and decreasing expenses as low as you possibly can right yeah um all both are good principles but i really love that there is an added focus on building wealth through increasing income um and we talk about multiple streams of income and things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and and i think those are things that you'll hear the fire movement group get into it to some extent they like to talk a lot about you know like side gigs and side hustles and things mm -hmm. like that that can they can add value and um, create extra wealth uh, i think i like to think of it more in terms of investing and creating additional streams of income and by and thereby doing more with your money and hopefully working less simultaneously yeah yeah it's creating those passive streams to replace the active like stuff you have to be there to make happen right and that's what true retirement ends up being mm -hmm. if you've got income streams or or a significant stream of income that kind of is the game changer right because yep. you just know it's going to be okay so income's important i finally rod i like that it encourages people to save and invest um anytime we're teaching people to save and invest i'm on board with it so mm -hmm. you can probably tell most of the things i like about fire are, pro are pretty general um and we're going to talk about kind of why I have some some little bits of issues with some of the other things, but I think that covers at least the things that I like. Is there anything, Rod, that you like about fire that I didn't list here, or, or anything that's like significant that you can think about, or that you think about when when you're considering this whole fire movement? Uh, well, I think you've hit on them because uh, it's it's that whole kind of having a very specific definition of what it is we're shooting for and and what it means when we get to a place where we can fire. Um, and, uh, and again, just, just the idea of, of uh, replacing our working income. It's with passive income. Okay, so. Rod, here's what I don't like about fire. Here's what I dare I say, hate about. Oh boy. Fire. Yep. yep those me. are strong words. Um, and, this is where it gets fun. We're going to we're going to get into things. Okay, so here's the first thing. I don't like the common de definition of retire and I already went on a rant about that. Mm -hmm. It was so important to me that I couldn't wait till we got down here, but um see the beginning of the episode for how I feel about the general <laughs> definition of retire that gets out there. Now, I will say this. Um in the fire crowd, the other definition that I hear is just having enough money to uh, not have to work and, and live. I shouldn't even say comfortably. It's being able to live and not have to work like that combination would create someone. So fire could mean a myriad of different things for different people. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's probably some lack of clarity in what that means. But I think what I've heard people say is that as an example, if you have enough money to, oh, dare I say, use the 4% rule, to create enough income just to where you can live and pay your bills, mm -hmm. then you're you're that's where like fire exists, right? And and obviously we would say that fire would have to be something significantly greater in terms of your wealth creation before you would be at a place where that you know living moving to that right. kind of lifestyle really makes sense, right? Okay, well you're not in the danger zone, right? Like, and we can get into that here. We're gonna get into that here in a second. Okay, that's the first thing. I don't like the definition of retire commonly. Okay, so the second one, Rod, is that there's too much emphasis on living with as little income as possible. And oftentimes that goes to the extreme, right? right? 
And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, we have to have the, we have to balance between enjoying life and living life today and saving and preparing for the future. We're going to get into that more here in a second. But I, but I also get really annoyed by some of like the gimmicky things that are out there. And, and one of them that I always hear is like focusing on getting credit card points as an example. Like it's just kind of an extreme way of, of doing things. Now, let me be clear. There are ways to do things and there are methods and strategies that I think are really valuable. We're going to likely have a guy on that talks about a debt pay down method. That's a little bit unique and different. And, um, and I believe in, I think those kind of things can be valuable. Right. But what I, what I struggle with is like the extremes going Mm -hmm. too far into the extremes, um, generally takes people's life out of balance, can rob happiness and all that stuff. And so from that standpoint, I'm, I'm a fan of keeping expenses low, but I feel like the fire movement is too focused on and like trying to get you to pinch pennies anywhere you can and just live like as simple and basic of life as you can. And, and to some extent, I think that can rob us of happiness. Yeah. And maybe just a quick observation on that. From what I've seen, a lot of times that becomes a, uh, too much of a focus or so much of a focus that it becomes the end. In other words, you, you lose sight of, well, what are we doing this for? And then maybe to your point in, in, you know, like the credit card points or whatever it might be where someone gets so focused on the pinching the pennies part that they forget that the reason they were doing that is so that they could get to this goal of fire. And, uh, and, and so it doesn't, it's not driving them toward that end, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. There's that we lose, we lose sight of the, and, and I don't know if you know if you even have to be able to, to definitively measure it, but we're not right. We're not doing any kind of measuring anymore um, because it's just all about what I'm doing to pinch the pennies. Yeah. Yeah. So balance is critical. Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so number three, Rod, the possibility of missing out on, this is some, again, things I hate. I hate the possibility of missing out on the present day to get ready for the future. And um, what I find is that people are often willing to do things that they hate today, thinking that it's that it creates happiness in the future. And there is something to that, right? There's not. It's not that there's no truth to that idea, but I have to just make the maybe obvious point that that we don't have like a guaranteed future, right? Mm -hmm. So some of us live to be 80 or 90 and some of us live to be 45 or 50. And I guess my, my thought is like, do I want to spend all of my time focused on and willing to just do things I hate because I'm hoping and expecting that things will get better later. Um, So again, number two kind of builds into number three uh, but I think that that's something that I struggle with. I don't think for me, and and maybe when I was younger, I would have said this, but based on like the life that I've lived today, I think it's really important to, to balance that and make sure that we're not just trying to get by and survive. Like let's do, let's do a little bit more than that. Let's enjoy our lives and thrive. Yeah. So one thing I know that that's kind of cheesy, but. Well, one thing that we've I'm seen feeling. with people who are in retirement is that those feelings don't necessarily go away. Right. So we've seen people who did a great job saving 
sacrificed, you know, while they were working so to make that possible. But then they get there and they're afraid to spend it still. Like there's there's just this never-ending nagging feeling in the back of their brain that they don't ever want to run out of money. And we're trying to sit there and tell them, hey, you've done a great job. We can, we can create some really cool things around what you've done to create some guaranteed streams of income, et cetera, et cetera. And yet there's this hesitancy to ever allow themselves that luxury, right? And so it, it it's kind of sad. Like they've they've worked hard and 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 yet they're they're still not ready or willing to, I guess live. Yeah, up, and you're right? never live ready. And, and again, dream. like it's the habits that you build, like kind of stick with you. And so yeah. those are good habits, but if they're extreme, then they can become counterproductive. Yep, and that's kind of another example. Of what I was saying earlier about that the the means becomes the end, right? That that's all that you can ever think about if that is just the the only focus that you have. Okay, Rod, this next one's a little bit interesting, um, but the average individual's peak earning years are generally in between 40 and 50, right? And, mm -hmm. and it might even be a little, I think for men, it's like 45 to 55. For women, it's a little bit earlier than that based on the statistics I read. But if the goal is to, and usually when people are talking about retire early, like there's kind of this arbitrary number of 40. Like the idea is to try to get there as soon as you can, but like you're trying to beat 40, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, anyway, my point here is just that if we focus so much on retiring early and actually and actually do it, then we might miss out on our best, most peak earning years that could, could help and support us for a, a much longer time frame to come, right? So imagine right. this situation. You're You've worked your tail off. You've saved a bunch of money. You really believe in um, putting your money in, you know, qualified plans and in the market and those types of things. And you retire early, right? And then you go into the last 10 months of our market cycle. Yeah. Well, guess what? Your retiring early may have changed completely now, mm -hmm. right? And we're going to talk about how people are like calculating and kind of doing this. It's amazing that, that it still exists, but, but like it, you could find yourself in a really difficult position. And so my point here is just that retiring early before 40 can take away those kind of peak earning years where we would have a chance to create a safety net for um, all of our years to come. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're not in this situation where we might be concerned about it forever instead of being like really at a place of comfort and peace. So it sounds like that would be something you want to build into the plan side of it, right? In other words, yeah, maybe not just an accumulation only strategy. Maybe it's building in some of those streams of income so that, uh, that you can continue to build it, right? On a on a very part-time basis, right? Depending on what you're investing in and, and, but you know, if, if you build a, an engine and you can continue to feed that engine, even while you're retired early, right. Then, then that's just something you can perpetuate and continue to build. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rod. Okay. So number four, if you can, if you retire early, miss peak earning years, number five that I, the thing, Oh man, we're getting into things I really don't like, Rod. Okay. <laughs> I really don't like the overemphasis on qualified plans. And this one is just so silly because obviously if your goal is to retire early and you're putting money in qualified plans, like there's a incongruency that exists there, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, 
we've got this 59 and a half rule on one side. And then on the other, we have trying to retire at 40. And it doesn't make any sense to me to pump a bunch of money into qualified plans and then, you know, have to figure out how to scrimp to get through up until that 59 and a half point in time where I can start taking them without penalty. Yeah. So that, that's maybe not the only issue with it. There's another issue. And that's just that, you know, from a tax standpoint, we're more on the Roth camp. Like mm-hmm. the more the more that I can get in that side of things, the better off we'll be just based on what we expect taxes to do in the future. Yep. So yep. that's another issue. But like between the inability to get to money during your retire early years and um, that that emphasis on trying to tax defer money, I just think it's a horrible idea. And it doesn't make any sense inside the retire the fire movement why anybody would recommend um, focusing on qualified plans. I agree. Uh, and I don't have anything to add. I mean, that's okay. Perfect. It just kind of stands on its own because it's <laughs> it is so incongruent. Hey, Rod, this is this is another one that kind of fits in the same camp, but a little bit different. And you would expect this from us, but they are overly focused on traditional investments. And of course, that's the case, right? Everybody is mm-hmm. overly focused on traditional investments. And so the, the, the fire movement is no different. There's there are some pockets of groups that talk about and focus on real estate and things like that. But for the most part, you're hearing the same stuff like put your money into no load mutual fund, low cost mutual funds, target date mutual funds, uh, put 50 percent of your income into your mutual funds each month. And and we'll get into how we're going to take the distributions here in a few minutes. But but I just cannot stand the focus on on almost exclusively traditional investments. It's just, again, it's missing the boat in such a such an incredible way. Like people are not realizing that there's alternative options that they could go to that are so much more attractive. And the only thing keeping them from it is just that they don't know about it. Yeah, well, and, and here again, the irony is if, if they're being recommended to put into those target date funds, well, target date funds aren't built around someone retiring at 40. <laughs> That's a good point. Right. So it's, it's all built around the, the traditional, you know, 65, 67 year time frame. And so... So yeah, yeah, that doesn't match either. So that might be that's kind of an odd one. I hadn't even thought about it. But I have heard I have heard people talking about that kind of that way to do it. And yeah, you know, it probably doesn't have like some monumental impact if you're if you're, you know, at 70 or 80 percent. Anyway. Okay, Rod, I think that's good. So we don't like the overemphasis on qualified plans. We don't like the overemphasis on traditional investments. And we certainly don't like the idea of target date funds. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Number seven, Rod, there are oftentimes unrealistic nest egg expectations. And this goes back to the extreme comment that I keep making. And my thought here is that sometimes I'm hearing people have these nest eggs at expectations that are really small, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking like, okay, as long as I save $482,000, I will have achieved my fire, right? Like, and again, I realize for every person that's different. And if you're living an extremely low cost lifestyle, like you could potentially do some of these things. But again, it just feels to me like it's living on the edge in a lot of ways, right? right. Like I don't know how you can call fire being at a place where you have to pinch pennies just in order to get by. That to me doesn't resonate. It doesn't make sense. Um, and yeah. again, I get out that everyone's different, but from my perspective, the the 
nest egg that a person, if they're going to use that style of approach from a planning perspective, like it better be pretty darn big to make sure that it's going to cover the duration of my life. Absolutely. Well, especially because, well, I know we're going to get into a little more here with the 4% rule, but just the idea of volatility. And you mentioned it here a minute ago again as well, that I'm counting on certain things happening. If like you said, the $482,000 at the 4% puts me at what, like $17,000 a year. <laughs> and, and so, uh, again, and they'd I, be I, like, well, that covers my groceries, my car payment. Yeah. My uh, house is paid do, off. So yeah, my house is paid off. Know. So I'm okay. there. like, yeah. And, and again, it's just today for some people that works, but like, I hope they were building in an 8% or 10% inflation rate for last year. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because again, depending on where they're invested, uh, volatility exists and or if they're if they say, well, I'll go a little more on the fixed side. Well, the last 10 years wouldn't have been great for them. Right. Yeah, that's true. So it's <laughs> it, it's hard. Like no matter what what method you pick and you're counting on that happening. OK, so here's here's an interesting conversation I had just this last weekend. Uh, I I bumped into a uh, a guy who's a university professor in financial planning. And so I just assumed that he he was totally on on board with with all the things that I would have hate. assumed the exact same thing, <laughs> and uh, and so but I was straight up with him. I was like, well, th these are the kinds of things we're doing. We we work in life insurance, and and so probably you know not not along the lines of of kind of what you're what you think and, and you teach. And he says, well, actually, I don't think mm -hmm. that the regular accumulation strategy for retirement works. He said there are some people it can work for. Uh, but but I think for most of us, the idea that we're just going to save enough and and be ready to retire. And, and again, this is just in regular retirement, right? This is mid 60s yeah. or mm -hmm. 70 years old to be ready to retire. And even then supporting 20 to 25 years worth of income or, or 30, right? You know, for yeah. So imagine imagine supporting 50, 60 years, 55 years. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and and it makes sense too, right? Like, for example, uh, think about like the, the traditional way of a 401k, right? You, you go to, to work, they say, hey, do you want to participate in the 401k? Even the best uh, matching options out there, they say, hey, you put in 6% and we'll match 100% of what you put in. Sounds great, right? That's 12%. Sounds like a really big number. And it is compared to what most of most anyone else gets offered as far as matches go. But that's true. Uh, even that person at 12% of your income, if that's the income I need to replace when I retire, which it's not, it's going to be much bigger by the time we get there, right? With inflation. But, uh, but the point is 12% isn't going to get you there, right? No, it's you not. have to be, you have to be setting aside 20, 30, 40% to get there in your mid sixties. And so now if you want to retire by 40 and you're using this accumulation method, then you're going to have to save 60, 70, 80% of your working income to be ready. Well, good news, Rod. That's what the fire movement people will tell you to do. Yep. So yep, they no, give you that no path. Slot. Okay. Number eight, Rod. I hate that fire influencers are still touting the 4% rule. Crazy. The 4%, that's the rule, the 4% rule. Okay. So really quick, Rod, remind everybody what the 4% rule is. Uh, basically, whatever nest eggs, so we should talk about nest egg. You build up your nest egg. When you're ready to retire, you can take out 4% as a starting point, 4% of that nest egg to live off of. So what's the problem with it? Right? Like, okay, I'm going to let you pontificate first. What's the problem with the 4% rule? 
okay, so there are a lot of problems. Number one is going back to the nest egg thing. If I want, if I need a hundred thousand a year to, to live off of, well, I'm going to need two and a half million dollars sitting there to, to start taking 4% of that and, and live off. Right. So that's so, problem yeah, number accumulating one. Accumulating enough money to actually make the, the concept even work is yep. super difficult and, and more than most people are able to save. Yeah. And then secondly, one of the things that, that the 4% rule is based off of is what they call Monte Carlo simulations, where they mm. take the, the, the individual. So, so here I am, right? I'm ready to retire. I go to my advisor and I say, hey, you know, help me do this. And they say, great, let's, let's run some simulations. So they say, you know, we're going to simulate you retiring in a thousand different uh, timeframes, you know, September 3rd, 1967 or March 4th, 1982 or whatever, right? They're going to simulate me retiring and and how it worked out for me or the the likelihood of me having even one dollar even one by that's the time success, I pass by away. the way yep. if you have a dollar left when you're alive that is success yep and so and then it get uh, attaches a probability to that right so i want my hundred thousand dollars of income four percent rule they plug it in and they say okay you have uh 78% chance of still mm -hmm. having a dollar left if you started taking the income now and you live 25 years, right? Okay, so this is where it becomes such a huge issue for the fire movement. Yep. You've got to have it last for 40 or 50 years. Yep. And certainly if, it's, if we're struggling to make it work, right? If it's only working 75% of the time with the 4% rule, like then if we're trying to go 50 years, then it's going to work only... 30% of the time or 40% yeah. of the time. And then you have to ask yourself like, okay, how comfortable am I on a retirement? That's only, you know, 50, 50. Yeah. Most people yep. don't get real excited about that, but, but that's what's happening. Now I will say this. I've heard them back the concept back, down a little bit and say, instead of 4%, it's three and a half. And so and then they've kind of gone back. And I've even heard somebody recently in the fire movement world, that had attached to like 2.875. And I don't remember how okay. we got there, mm -hmm. but it was like just under 3%. And they, they felt like that was the number that was, this, that was going to work and be successful. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing, like the 4% rule is ridiculous, but the whole concept is ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? Like there's so many better ways to create consistent cash flow and income than, than, just trying to put as much money in the market as we can and draw our income exclusively from that. So maybe what I don't like more than anything is, is the concept that exists behind the 4% rule. But certainly, you know, if, if you're thinking you're going to uh, fire with the 4% rule, you're probably kidding yourself. Yep. Okay. Number nine, Rod. And this is kind of a funny one, just an, an ironic thing that I've noticed. Most people touting fire, are the influencers who don't actually have to do what they're suggesting. Or oh, maybe man. they did it for like a year or two, right? It was like, oh, like I made these sacrifices for a year and I documented it. And then, and then like I started bringing income in from my blog and from doing other things. Like a lot of the influencers are talking about it and they don't actually have to live the lifestyle themselves, right? So if there to me seems like an incongruency between what they're having to do and what they're teaching. Well, certainly if I'm a, an influencer that has, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand followers and have, and have managed to turn that into uh, a revenue stream, sometimes it can be pretty significant. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. anyway, my point here is just that you have to be careful because a lot of the people who are touting these 
kind of bad ideas that we're laying out aren't actually having to live those principles themselves. And I think that's true in the fire movement and even outside of that, just yeah, in terms it's true of a lot everywhere. of the gurus, right? Where they've built sure. up a business and and their net worth, their income, their ability to to oh yeah, we retire all the time right, is going to come not from all the accumulation and the four percent rule and all these other things that we're talking about. It's gonna come from the things that we prefer, which is passive streams of income. Uh, et cetera, right? Yeah, investing in their businesses and those types yep. of things. Okay, Rod, so number 10, and this is kind of the crux of the whole thing here. My issue with the FIRE movement is that I believe there's too much focus on the destination and not enough focus on the journey. I know that's like a cliche thing to say, but again, as I get older and I'm, I'm getting old, I, I think I saw a few gray hairs, Rod. Oh boy! Um, and I'm going to be turning 39 in just a few days. So 40 is just around the corner. I know 40 Ooh. is around. So here's the thing, though. I've realized as I've gotten older, like I don't want to live a life that that's trying to pinch pennies and be extreme. Like I'm trying to enjoy the moment now and still be balanced toward preparing for the future. Yeah. So certainly, you know, balance is the key. Uh, but again, what I don't like about it is I really believe that there's that it could potentially rob us of the joy of life because we're focused too much on something that may not even happen. I've told this story probably on the podcast, but my dad passed away at the ripe old age of 49. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think about that and I'm, you know, I'm 10 years away from that. And it's crazy to me to think that you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the future holds. And for that reason, you know, living that kind of a lifestyle again, for me, for me, and, and I realize each person's different, like, let's be real here. But for me, after the experiences that I've seen, I want to do it right today. Um, but I also want to live my life and enjoy it. And so those are basically Rod, the 10 reasons that I hate the fire movement. I think that's a great summation. Just the idea that if we take ourselves to the extremes, then we lose we lose sight of, of one or the other, right? So I, what you're not not saying is forget about the future, right? You're saying, yes, the future matters, but today matters too. Right? Yeah, thank you for summing that up because that is important. That That is critical, in fact. We're definitely mm -hmm. not saying don't plan for the future, right? Yeah. But what I am saying is, you know, you probably don't need to save 72% of your income in order to live like a, a, a great future retirement lifestyle. You know what I mean? Okay, Rod, I think that's game, set, and match for us for the day. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us today. And we will see you all next week on the Money Insights Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Equities to debt.